नमस्ते विद रिगार्ड टू राइटिंग्स ऑफ शोरबिंदो वी कैन द वर्ड कैटेगराइज इज नॉट ए गुड थिंग एंड वी टॉक अबाउट शोरबिंदो बट स्टिल वी कैन कैटेगराइज दैम इन टू फोर डिस्टिंक्ट कैटेगरीज फ्रॉम द पॉइंट ऑफ व्यू ऑफ क्रोनोलॉजी सो द फर्स्ट पार्ट इज द प्री आर्या पीरियड मेनली इट कंसिस्ट ऑफ राइटिंग्स ड्यूरिंग द रिवोल्यूशनरी पीरियड ऑलमोस्ट फ्रॉम एटीन नाइन्टी थ्री सून आफ्टर ही एस कम एंड राइट अप टू नाइनटीन थर्टीन मोस्ट ऑफ इट इज थ्रू द थ्री जर्नल्स धर्मा कर्मयोगीन बंदे मातरम ऑल्सो सम ऑफ द राइटिंग्स इन युगान्तर विच हैव बीन लॉस्ट अनफॉर्चुनेटली एंड इंदू प्रकाश दैट राइटिंग्स न्यू लैम्प्स फॉर द वर्ल्ड विच ऑफन आर पब्लिश सेपरेटली so there is a whole set of writings and even after coming to pondicherry before the arya shubindu wrote certain thoughts and aphorism which continued right from 1912 onwards records of yoga which continued from 1909 till 1927 then shirvind what is known today as shirvind upanishad the yoga and its objects so vedic and philological studies so there are quite a few which are pre arya period but most of them are during the revolutionary time then the second category is from 1914 to 1921 which is primarily the arya and now they are available as major works of shirvindo plus they add some of the like bande matram and karmyogin so these are the major works of shirvindo and then from 1927 onwards there is a whole set of writings which uh, are primarily letters so these are wonderful because very often people say that they find shobindo's writings difficult and no doubt that the arya writings are bit difficult and the reason is they come from a very vast universal consciousness written in an impersonal vein he is not writing addressing to this person or that person but to the human consciousness to the human soul in general and these writings are like ganga avtaran so it's not easy when the ganges are descending and somebody is standing below with that mighty ganges if one is not prepared sometimes it can be very unnerving it can be disorienting and if the path is very small it can smash it so very often people uh, when we approach your windows writings of the arya days if we have a very small limited narrow consciousness it become very difficult especially when we are already cobwebbed uh, don't look for this word meaning in the dictionary but what is me- it means is that when the mind is full of cobwebs gathered from here there books whatsapp newspaper casual reading of all kinds of things and on that we have based certain ideas about what spiritual life is what this is what that is and it creates a big big hurdle because uh, we have this impression that we know but when we approach shirbindo <laughs> the right state is we do not know so when we have this humility plus the aspiration to know which is a very rare combination because when there is a jigyasa very often people have already read i have seen people keep asking that you know what kind of vedanta is shirbindo's uh, writings what category it falls in because they have obviously they have read a lot and they have developed this feeling that we know but true knowledge is a knowledge which comes by direct experience pratyaksha and uh, all this book knowledge scholarly knowledge has its place it's a kind of intellectual preparation 
but it becomes sometimes a block when we have to go beyond. And Shirobindo did go beyond, not just beyond, but way beyond. And honestly, I can say this for for myself at least. Before coming to Shirobindo, having read uh, three four commentaries on the Gita, some of them on the Upanishads, the Vedas, Ramayana, Mahabharat, uh, Vivek Chudamani, God knows so many other books, uh, Western and Eastern. After reading Shirobindo, it paled as if I am looking at uh, some pale evening lights and this is the sun. So it's very difficult even to go back to anything else because uh, one clearly sees this is something so powerful, wonderful, so complete, so harmonious. It brings the sense of truth all through. But as I said, it requires tremendous humility that, well, I really don't know with all this that I have read and probably cluttered my brain with, even when there is a clarity of concept still, This new thing will change everything. So often I use this terminology that, you know, this example about clarity of concepts. Now, you know, people get married, husband and wife are living happily and they have a clarity about their roles, relation, their way of life. Now, when the new child arrives, everything turns topsy-turvy because now the entire life is being organized around this new baby. (laughs) And Shurabindo, you know, he has given... Birth to not one new baby, but several offsprings in several fields. And therefore it is very difficult to, the whole clutter in the brain, this clarity has to completely be surrendered. And then the new thing emerges. The mother herself speaks of it that when she met Shirobindo and she was sitting at his feet while, that was the difference. She, she has, I mean apart from the fact that she is Jagat Janni and who her husband was, we need not go into that. But she says that he would discuss with Shirobindo and he would often, he, because of the Buddhist influence that, uh, well, uh, this world is created by desire and Shirobindo say it is delight. So they would have a discussion and there would be disagreement as far as he is concerned. Uh, and the mother would just sit uh, somewhere below and she said, suddenly all the vast synthesis she had built within her, based on her experiences, which, which had come out in the Cosmic Review, the Journal of Philosophy, which used to come out uh, from Algeria and France together. All that slowly just melted away. That's why she says, I am like a newborn child. So I believe to read those writings, uh, it's beautiful to become a newborn child and just sit at Shurabindu's feet, like the Upanishad, sitting at the feet of the Master. And then to tell him that I don't know, I don't understand, teach me. Then it becomes very clear. All the writings, the life divine, the synthesis of yoga, the human cycle, everything become very clear because now Shurabindo has taken it to himself to teach us. But what we do is just the other way around that I know, I am going to discuss with you and let's see where we go. So, this is the second set of writing. But this is not easy. It's blessed that somebody can have that. And I am talking only of writings, not of conversations. Conversations are a different uh, genre of writings. They are there with uh, evening talks and later on. So that's a different set of writing. But then from 1927 onwards, we see a different kind of writing which is much more personalized. So disciples ask questions and Shubindo replied. Now it may look like, okay, it was their questions, but not so simply. Like when we look at the read the Gita, it is the question of Arjuna. And without a doubt, a Buddha asks the same question. Shubhinda himself says, 
if buddha asked shri krishna the question whether he should go in search of a radical cure for the suffering of mankind or should he fight the war to defend the sakya kingdom shobinda would tell him shri krishna would tell him to go and find the truth and if shri ramakrishna ever came and asked krishna should i teach in vernacular and do my duties or should i go in search of my uh, fulfill that that seeking for truth for for wisdom for light for love uh, and he would say yes you should do that but because most of human beings fall into the category of arjuna in the sense we lead a life where action is important and arjuna is the rajosatvik person who is governed by certain ideals and at the same time he doesn't want to actually take uh, to sanyas he is saying this because he is uh, seeing the battlefield and the grim scenario he wants to escape but most of us are like arjuna that if we know how to lead our life better and more beautifully we would uh, choose that so he says to arjuna this is given and therefore it it has a certain degree of universal applicability and it also has many truths which will apply eternal truths for all times so in shobindo's letters also though they are individual in the yoga once shobindo started accepting disciples which is from 1927 onwards or if i may say end of 1926 because though the ashram was never formed officially and shobindo never said okay bachcha now you are initiated by me this never took place because he revolutionized everything uh, yet we can we may say that from 24th november 1926 onwards when the uh, shri krishna descended and joined completely with shri aurobindo from that time onwards when mother was placed in the forefront uh, from that time onwards there was a kind of acceptance of the disciple and how they were accepted as shobindo says whoever is accepted by the mother is a disciple of shobindo so people came asked the mother mother gave them work and that was the end of the story so it was understood that she has given them work and they have become disciples then later on just because we have mentioned this we may raise a question what about now so now she has says whoever i have initiated i have revealed myself to that person meaning there why somewhere one knows she is the divine mother this is no ambiguity so this itself is a sign that one is initiated she she herself has said that physical presence is less and less required it is required primarily for the physical transformation in its crucial stages uh, that impact of the supramental forces on the body otherwise all other things of the yoga remain so these people who came were a representative humanity so shobindo already was uh, having hold of the supramental force and the mother but uh, will they give it to the world is the world ready this was the question so they started with a group of uh, representative humanity who were called they came and then the a grand experiment started and shubindra is that's why used the word uh, a laboratory in one of his letters that uh, as per x this is a laboratory as x has called it but a laboratory where one is being gradually move towards a higher and higher spiritual evolution now naturally what was happening in this laboratory was that people reacted differently to the action of the supramental force uh, human mind heart life is not ready 
as he writes in Savitri, of that pure assault of ether and of fire. And the mother's love, even to her love, people reacted very differently. They started comparing notes, you love him more, you love me less, you smile more, you know, jealousies and ambitions, because after all they come, it doesn't matter. Living in ashram doesn't mean that, you know, one has overnight got free. <laughs> Whether ashram or elsewhere, one has to do the hard labor, there is no doubt about this. So, uh, these, each one was representing a difficulty. In fact, the mother initially used the word, an impossibility. And each one represented a possibility. So, by representative, we can say that if supposing there were 10 disciples, in the beginning there were very few, maybe 50, and around 5th December 200, 250, and out of which maybe 10 were mainly writing letters, maybe more, but uh, by and large, some of them, most letters, for example, Niroda, Dilip Kumar Roy, some of these were writing many more letters. So, these um, disciples represented a very difficult aspect of human nature which is universal. For example, when Dilip Kumar Roy, despite his devotional element, would raise doubts after doubts after doubts. We see something similar with Niroda. So now it's not that they are somebody inferior. Today when we read, no, they are wonderful beings who have been called by Shravinda and the mother. But this element in human nature which doubts or has a tendency to despair like Dilip Kumar. We see some of these letters where he suddenly throws the hat and says, I am going, I am unfit for this yoga. No, 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 this is not meant for me. So he would <laughs> or much worse, difficult difficulties. There were disciples who had uh, ambition, lust, Fear, everything in nature. So, they would write to Shrabindu and the mother and they would reply back. So, they apply these letters, though written to individuals, also apply. They have a universal appeal. Uh, some of them are all, obviously they are based on the eternal truth which applies to everyone. But at the same time, there are specific problems and issues which may apply more to some and less to some others. And as Shubindo himself says that uh, you don't become dogmatic about my letters because there are different people to whom I write different things. Uh, to someone who eats less, sleeps less, I would say, eat more, sleep more. And to someone else who does it in abundance, I would say, sleep less and eat less. So while we read the letters, we have to remember this, that we should read the entire thing on a particular section. Everything that Sri and the mother have written, at least let's say if one reads Sri everything that Sri has written in a certain, for a certain topic. And then one gets the general drift. Otherwise, there is a chance of misapplication. And misapplication of truth is even more dangerous. It's like the man who, you know, the king who had a friend who was sort of an idiot and he wanted to be friendly and uh, the king got a bit compassion on him and said, okay, you guard me at night and uh, he, he was very alert with his sword and he saw a fly sit on the king's chest and he tried to shoo and got more and more angry till finally he lifted the sword and the rest is history. So basically, uh, these letters are wonderful. One reads them. But at the same time, in application, one has to see, have a certain kind of plasticity. The mother has used the word, there should be a wideness and plasticity in applying spiritual things. And these letters are completely, they are all practical things. People often ask, 
about the practice of Shirbindo, here is the practice of Shirbindo. So these letters are, you know, catered to this questioning, uh, seeking mind that, you know, or the heart which wants to know, for example, how to meditate. There are a series of letters on meditation. Not one, not you know, the whole series can make a 250-page booklet or on bhakti uh, or on works. But why should have been there not written them as karmi yoga, bhakti yoga, jnana yoga? Because if you go through these standard textbooks, one you will see that they are drawing from the past. And based on the past, it's kind of uh, interpretation of a text and then they are presented to entrant. So there is no such thing here because Shubindo has not only experienced what traditions say but gone, gone beyond. So when he writes about bhakti or let us say karma yoga, Shubindo makes a distinction between the ordinary karma yoga as given in the Gita and the yoga of karma as is in Shubindo's transformational yoga. So it's important to understand that he doesn't put them in a fixed closed slot. Secondly, because it's an integral yoga and in human nature all the strands are woven together. We can't say I'll do only bhakti alone. So there are letters which say that this is not a yoga of bhakti alone or meditation alone or works alone. So there are people who draw conveniently. Oh, I must do only work. I don't want to, uh, you know, nothing else is required. I don't need to meditate. Well, that's not how Shavinda puts it. All are required. Of course, there is a relative stress. There is a difference in temperament. That's where I said application. Not all are ready for meditation at a particular point of time. So it's perfectly fine. There are some who have this natural urge of bhakti and this wonderful if one has it. But if we pick up sentences and quotations from here and there, like one of the things happens is people start seeing hostile forces everywhere and in everything. Whereas actually Shubhindu's yoga is based on oneness. <laughs> it's, hostile forces are there. But that's not the stress. The stress is on seeing the divine everywhere and in everything. So how do we get it? When we read the entire drift. And of course if we can read the mother and Shubhindu together then it completes the picture. But very often people pick up and same with speech, same with uh, actions. So one has to be very... Have a subtle intelligence, um, spiritual intelligence, I would say, which is very different from the uh, hard intellect. Intellect loves to fix things dogmatically. This is how it is. This is not how it is. But spiritual intelligence is far more subtle, plastic and supple in its application. So this comes as we read Mother and Shobindo. It's it, it may be innately present because of past evolution or else better still if one reads through the letters. So while one should read, the, the purpose of all this background is one should read and apply it to oneself and not quote it for others. That you must do it. Look, Shobindo has written this letter. So uh, <laughs> these letters are not meant for entering into uh, you know dialect, didactic warfare. This is, uh, often we hear, you know, people say that, and Shobindu himself has said, they should not be used for that. So we read and we start applying. As we apply, we move. Then we'll read probably another letter and we'll get another angle. Then a third letter and we get a third angle. And then as we are growing in the yoga, because it cannot be just by reading the letters or a teaching, however great. If you just read it, it doesn't uh, help. We have to practice it. Whatever, even little, Swalpamasya Dharmasya, as the Gita puts it. So slowly as we practice it, then we understand all the nitty-gritty is the 
for example just one last little example people who read in the beginning about rejection they feel oh what is this because it's not mentioned in the gita and anywhere else it's something new and they feel it's very violenced upon your own nature but as you go through the process you understand that it's nothing to do with violence and what really rejection is and why it is required and how it has to be done so then all the letters that one has read previously they uh, pop up like what is that called pop up images and one has to say oh that's what is meant so one has to read again and again and keep applying one last uh, bit i remember jugalda who who remembered uh, i think how many times i don't know 21 times he probably had read the complete works of shirbindo i i mean I, as far as i've heard so he was the registrar very brilliant person mother herself said he is a very developed logical mind perhaps the most developed so he was the registrar in center of education in knowledge so he was an authority on he could remember this from here that from here this from here in his classes and the students who have studied with him they remember very fondly so last two years he said no i i don't want to uh, go there somebody else took over i think jumurdi is right now and he started reading so <laughs> i asked him ki you have already read you remember everything why why uh, what per i mean i know the delight but i just wanted to know his Um, point of view i said i'm sure you are enjoying it but anything any specific purpose he says yes these two years i want to read shirbindo for the joy of it and then he told me that particularly the letters on yoga and um, well that's how he left his body he was with one of the letters on yoga and reading and then putting his head on the letter he left his body so and these are very very simple finally very simple very direct uh, of course there are many new terms that also there are letters so very simple so one need not read the life divine and human cycle to practice this yoga of course at one level one need not read anything but let's not fool ourselves because reading helps it it makes not only the intellect ready but it also fires the heart triggered the uh, you know aspiration because they are fire living fire so one should read shirbindo and because one finds shirbindo difficult because one has only known the life divine read the letters on yoga and if one reads through the letters everything that is there in every other book its essence is there all the issues mainly raised in the life divine without going through the deep arguments they are there so basically of course the life divine he, he will describe with arguments in detail but in letters on yoga it direct that shobindo is saying so if you have the trust take it and several places he says very logically and many many more things besides so i think uh, instead of um, spending more time in the background let's plunge into it so these are several volumes now we have entered into that letters on poetry art and literature was the one which we finished last time which is volume 27 now 28 29 30 31 these are the four volumes of letters on yoga which uh, have been categorized in a certain way which we'll just uh, speak about and then 32 is letters on the mother and then 33 is uh, letters on himself and the ashram and 34 is autobiographical notes 
and then of course you have uh, Savitri which forms these uh, last two volumes and there is another one which is going to come I don't think it is of uh, real relevance it is basically terminology in Shurabindu's writings so anyways that these, this comprises the entire volume so now we are with the letters and we have finished collected works of Shurabindu volume 27 now 28, 29, 30, 31 form one block so in SABCL Shurabindu Birth Centenary Library which came out in 72 uh, it was in three volumes. Now, it's not a question of volumes, but uh, number of pages. So, many, many more letters have been added because many people who left their bodies, so the letters were discovered. Almost one-third of the letters are new uh, when, compare, when compared with SABCL. I have read both, so I can say that, that SABCL and this one, there are many new letters. Also, the good thing is that in SABCL, for some reason, there were letters which were chopped should not have been done <laughs> and this is a whole experience of the mother in the agenda where she speaks about it uh, anyways I don't know whether they are chopped here or not frankly I don't know because none of us has access to go back to the original and see it but uh, I know that certain letters have not uh, probably come out but anyways they may be too personal whatever it is more letters may even come out later on we don't know but right now we have these four volumes and uh, it's a wonderful feast, delight for the seeker soul. And uh, the other good thing about these, uh, these volumes, uh, collected works of Sri that many places they have given the question, so which we don't find in SABCL. Now there are another kind of set which is not part of collected works of Sri Technically, it should come as part of writings of Shurabindo. And they are correspondence of Shurabindo with Niroda and with Dilip Kumar Roy, particularly. They form a huge chunk. And Dilip Kumar Roy, I think it's in three or four volumes. I, I have read three. I, I believe there is a fourth one. Correspondence with Shurabindo, Niroda, two volumes. I think most of the letters are now incorporated here. Many of them were not there in the SAPCL. So that's something another beautiful addition. The other side is that um, while they have arranged it very nicely, <laughs> keeping in mind like the, how the mind arranged is and classifies, um, those of us, many of us, which includes me, who has read SABCL and have read collected works of Shirobindo, find something missing. And the reason why we find something missing is that sometimes in the arrangement, it's done with good intention. I'm not doubting anybody's intention. Each one has his own way. Uh, for instance, you will see some letters on faith and doubt in uh, volume 28. But this does not exhaust all the letters on faith and doubt. So uh, others you will see in volume 29. Then you'll see some in volume 32, in 31. Whereas in the previous volumes, they were all clubbed together. They were much fewer, no doubt about it. And uh, sometimes classification or over-classification create this difficulty. But nevertheless, that's a very minor thing. Anyways, we should read everything. Why limit ourselves? But it's important to understand that simply because we have read one volume and there have been five letters on faith and doubt, that means that's all that should have been there is written on faith and doubt. So when one reads other volumes, then one discovers many more things because he's approaching from different angles. 
So now this series is, uh, as I said, mainly four particular volumes and uh, which comprise what is now called as Letters on Yoga and they contains, contain four parts. Uh, the first volume, which is Collected Works of Sri volume 28, is on foundations of the integral yoga. Basically, it's about the metaphysical foundations. Not foundations of the yoga in terms of practice, but metaphysics. Those who want to know what is psychic being, what is divine, Atman, all these terms people enjoy. And if you read the dictionary, you won't find or completely. So there are many terms that Sri has clarified and over-clarified from every point of view. And then there is the second volume, which is volume 29 of Collected Works, is Practice of the Integral Yoga. So here we see a lot of things on um, bhakti, meditation, jnana, human relationships, uh, life, sleep, dreams, everything, that eating, food, a very exhaustive volume. We'll come to that uh, sometime. And then experiences and realizations in the integral yoga. All that is part of Collected Works of Sri Volume 30. And 31 is Transformation of Human Nature in the Integral Yoga. All the difficulties of transformation, the process of transformation, the challenges of transformation, how it proceeds, what is the process, the hostile, there you will see some of these obstructing powers, helpful powers, etc. etc. So the idea of all this is that, uh, please read Letters of Yoga at least. <laughs> all the volumes is wonderful. And this present volume, which is volume 28, this contains five parts. The divine, first part is the divine, the cosmos and the individual. Now, I'm not going into why it has been named, because I also don't know why it has been named like this. <laughs> I would have, probably different people would name it differently. So, anyways, by and large, it's dealing with these issues. Uh, number two, the parts of the being and the planes of consciousness. Wonderful, very important, we all know. Uh, number three, the evolutionary process and the supermind. So these letters will consist of um, uh, all about the supramental evolution, connecting it with the entire spiritual evolution through which it has happened, the logic behind it, the inevitable logic behind it, etc., uh, etc. Et uh, here he has also answered some of the questions, doubts raised with regard to other thinkers. Uh, fourth is problems of philosophy, science, religion and society. Of course, vis-a-vis -vis the integral yoga perspective. And fifth is questions of spiritual and occult knowledge. This uh, is like a assorted category which I said that many of these could have been elsewhere or should have been elsewhere but for some reason they are here. So that's okay. So now we can enter into the delight of some of these letters. So obviously there are too many, plenty and each one can make their own selection. I have made a few which we can read today if necessary another class on this very volume. For example, the divine. This is the first letter which comes in this. The divine is the supreme truth because it is the supreme being from whom all have come and in whom all are. So if you have to say supreme, so it is the ultimate reality. But important thing is, Shobindu says supreme truth because it is the supreme being. Now a casual reading we may miss it. Shobindu is not saying the divine is an impersonal something. He is not just something, he is someone. He is a being. Now this changes the entire perspective. 
we can i mean he is not just the nirguna brahman something much more nirgun sagun beyond all this he explains in these letters so he is a being with whom we can relate and connect the divine is that from which all comes in which all lives and to return to the truth of the divine now clouded over by the ignorance is the soul's aim in life first thing is to return back to find the divine to discover to become one with it and what is holding us back is the cloud of ignorance what is ignorance all these things the shed repose plus doubt and company plus fear plus measures despair depression all <laughs> anger excitement attachment name it and they are like a veil asurik sena so uh, this is the children of aditi which is the divine soul in us and children of diti which are also clubbed together so that's a problem the divine is absolute and infinite peace consciousness existence power and ananda the divine is everywhere on all the planes of consciousness seen by us in different ways and aspects of his being so this would answer this question that why so many mystics have experienced but they all come with different well naturally because divine is not a you know standard <laughs> standardized <laughs> building <laughs> monument <laughs> we like to do that he is infinite in fact there would be perhaps many more paths of yoga which we don't know simply because people who traveled they didn't care or they themselves perhaps didn't understand they had the definitive experience but they didn't know how to put it in words as the mother says a path of no path the divine is infinite he can rejoice in so many ways take the soul in each soul has its own unique journey so different people experience in different ways and different aspects as someone has said uh, if we say that the divine is has the form of jesus christ so when he appears he'll come as jesus christ if somebody believes that he is takes the form of krishna one will experience him as krishna or bodhisattva or someone takes it that well he is not form but formless so even when he is near you will not experience the form but as a formless uh, peace formless ananda so depending on there are many aspects with which people come in contact and it is very rare as shobindra reveals in one of the letters that somebody knows him in all the parts which is what is called as samagram maam only in the super mind one can know the divine in all its totality at the mind always there will be this aspect that aspect and therefore we have cults creed sects so cult creed sects and religions they are all formed when we have one aspect or the other of the divine but when we have the totality then we see him everywhere and in all things the divine is neither personal nor impersonal formless nor formed he is the divine you talk of these distinctions as if they separated the divine into so many separate divines which have nothing to do with each other it's one totality it's like a human being he is a being you can't cut human beings into pieces and say oh this is your brain this is you yes but this is your heart yes this is also me and my movement of the heart is also me and the intellectual activity is also me flowing into it to put it this way and the will impelling to action is also me flowing into action so it depends upon which part we connect with 
all the things are the divine because the divine is there but hidden not manifest when the mind goes out to things it is not with the sense of the divine in them but for the appearances only which conceal the divine this is so important divine is everywhere in everything so logically it doesn't matter whatever we do so he says no we are not approaching them with that truth we are approaching through the appearances through attractions through attachments therefore that comes as a veil and so he says if it is necessary therefore for you as a sadhak to turn entirely to the mother in whom the divine is manifest and not run after the appearances the desire of which or the interest in which prevents you from meeting the divine so practical it's so clear and there are plenty this is just the first few letters one if one letter we can put into practice once the being is consecrated then it can see the divine everywhere and then it can include all things in the one consciousness without a separate interest or desire so we should not imagine that from uh, middle school primary or higher secondary will jump to phd it's that's not the way it has to be by a progressive enlargement of vision and then he speaks about the three who are one transcendent cosmic and individual divine the transcendent as we know individual let's start with that individual is in each element of creation in every human being there is the divine who is uh, the in, indwelling inhabitant immanent and then there is the cosmic divine who is the entire cosmic ignorance and the cosmic truth and he takes care of that and then there is the transcendent who transcends the individual and the cosmos and one has to realize all the three so he speaks about it is the cosmic self and spirit that is in and behind all things and beings and then it is the spirit and master of our own being within us whom we have to serve and learn to express his will in all our movements so you have the cosmic and the individual third is the divine is transcendent being and spirit all bliss and light and divine knowledge and power and towards that highest divine existence and its light we have to rise so you have the father the cosmic the sun the individual and the holy spirit the transcendent so this it's this distinction is in every uh, and then he speaks about the upanishadic system which follow you know the chatushpad brahman vishwa or virat hiranyagarbh or taijasa pragya or ishwara so pragya or ishwara is the uh, what is called as susupti where all the that is not yet manifested lies and hiranyagarbh or tejas the the lord of the inner worlds is the same divine so he receives whatever is to be manifested and then there is the virat or vishwa which is the outer expression and like anything like any poetry or anybody who creates it starts from pragya uh, from some unknown world a thought sails so it has come into hiranyagarbh before that we don't know it was sailing the poetry was somewhere looking to enter into a receptive mind then pop it enters now it has entered the hiranyagarbh the inner worlds and then one day we say okay let's many of them will not see the light of the day unfortunately because we are too busy with the internet <laughs> so but then 
Sometime when we have time to stand and stare, something will begin to express. Now it becomes Virat. This is an example, just for the sake of understanding. So, these two are systems. And then there are seven worlds. Randomly I picked up some of them, which are of practical importance. So, the seven worlds. So, this uh, Pragya, Hiranagarb and uh, Virat. Or we can look at it in another way, as he has said. Uh, Ishwara and uh, Taijasa and Vishwa. So it is the Chatuspad Brahman which is sleep, dream and waking. And there is of course the fourth which is beyond of which no name can be given. So that is the system. But that you cannot uh, name this way, that way. is beyond. Then there are seven worlds which the Vedic Rishis have spoken about. So we hear in Gayatri Mantra Om Bhur Bhuvaswa Tat Saviturvaram Varenyam Bhargo Devasya Dhimahi Dhyo Yona Prachodiyat. How does Shubhinda say? Om Tat Saviturvaram Rupam. He is going beyond. Starting point is not Om Bhur Bhuvaswa. Tat Saviturvaram Rupam. Jyotihi Parasya Dhimahi Yannaha Satyena Deepayet. So what is the difference? Now, leaving aside the intellectual discussion, people have written on it and so many things. But see, what are the seven worlds? Bhu is physical. We all know. Bhu Devi, Bhu Mata. Bhuva, vital. It is a little above the Bhu Lok. Swara, mental. See, the higher mental worlds. Why? Because they receive the light from above. And they can form even a heavenly state, heavens of the ideal, Swarlok. So later on it became Swargalok, which is heavens of the vital. But the Swar is the highest mental world. So Swara, Om, Bhur, Bhuvaswa. Then comes to the Savita, which is Sun. Shobindu goes, starts from keeping these three lower worlds by the side. And this is very interesting why he does that. Four, Mahat, Vigyan, Supramental. So these four are the Parad, the upper four worlds. So they are the original, absolute and they are not subject to dissolution. So no prale there. They are eternally there and there is the eternal manifestation which takes place, which we see that in Savitri. Eternal day. In these worlds, there is no dissolution, no death, no disease, no suffering. So, the higher worlds, higher worlds we are yet to come. Oh, we read the lower three and then the link supplement. Now the higher worlds, Jnana, Ananda, Satchitanand worlds, Tapaha, world of Chittapas and Satya, world of Sat. So, we have these four worlds which are higher worlds, Parard, which is Sat, Chittapas, Anand, and the Maharlok, which is the supermind. Four higher worlds. There is no dissolution. And the three lower where there is dissolution of Pralaya, which is Bhulok, Bhualok and Swarlok. Now there again the conception is of Pralaya and Mahapralaya. So Pralaya is where only you know a portion of creation or earth that gets affected. But Mahapralaya is where even the gods of these worlds are absorbed back. Into the Parard. And this is the upper Ard, which is the lower hemisphere, which is a shadow of these three higher worlds. So he speaks of so beautifully. So I'll 
रीड इट दिस वे सत्य लोक तपा लोक ज्ञान आनंद लोक सो दीज आर द थ्री हायर एंड महार लोक विज्ञान विच आर ऑल इंक्लूडेड फोर एज दी हायर वर्ल्ड्स बट महार लोक इज द लिंक सो फ्रॉम दी थ्री हायर वर्ल्ड्स एवरीथिंग इनफैक्ट इट इज द महार लोक द सुपर माइंड विच मेक्स दिस डिस्टिंक्शंस इन सचिदानंद देर इज नो डिस्टिंक्शन बट इट इज द सुपर माइंड विच क्रिएट्स सतलोक चित घन लोक आनंद लोक ज्ञान आनंद लोक एंड द महार महार लोक सो इट इज द सुपर माइंड विच स्टार्ट दिस एंड देन इट क्रिएट द लोअर थ्री वर्ल्ड और एटलीस्ट स्टार्ट द प्रोसेस देन इट पासिस दार्सल देर आर थ्री लोअर वर्ल्ड विच विच कम इन टू एक्सिस्टेंस विच आर भू भुआ स्वर दीज आर द थ्री लोअर वर्ल्ड सो वाई नाउ वी कैन कम लिटिल बिट अबाउट दिस मंत्रा so what is the difference so from the mind swarlok when you jump to the super mind there is something in between which mystics felt is the higher world but it is only the lid that is what madhuran shubindu describe and that is the over mind gnosis and he says it's so dazzling that when they saw this om bhur bhuaswa tatsavitur so they felt it is the sun but actually it is the yes it is the link it is the lid and whereas when shubindu says tatsav why does he say the most auspicious form because he knows this is the lid this is not yet the most auspicious form the most auspicious form is hidden behind the lid hiranmayena patrena satyasyapihitam mukham so therefore om tat savitur varam rupam the most auspicious form which is the supramental so there is this difference apart from many others well, that's a different thing and this um how my intuitive senses so then of course these systems he has explained he has explained purush and prakriti Um, those interested can read it, and then of course uh, he speaks about transformation of the gunas, which is unique to Shubhendu's yoga. Uh, because when you see the Gita, Gita is uh, you are inwardly free, you are a jivan mukt, and uh, yet as far as your actions is concerned, they will be governed by the three gunas, satvarajas tama. That's what Sri Krishna tells Arjuna. Inwardly you will be free, but you will be in your action. They but they will not afflict you. why because you have surrendered to me and therefore you don't have to worry about it but for action you have to act through them meaning thereby that you may have learned the highest music in the world but when you come to play you have only three choices of the old instruments so you are limited the three gunas are limited action of supernature that's how they are in the lower nature the three lower movements so in this yoga these gunas have to be also transformed because it's not enough that you have contact with the divine even nature must change into the higher supernature so he speaks about that the three gunas become purified and refined and changed into their divine equivalents is something very new nowhere else we find it in fact nowhere else satva becomes jyotihi the golden light came down into my mind and all its rooms suntouched became 
a calm, a bright reply to wisdom, so called plain, a calm illumination and a flame. So, this golden light when it enters, so then the guna, which is sattu guna, is primarily that harmony, light, balance, but it's still a light in the mind. Very nice. Those who want to lead their life according to certain mental principles, ideas, ideals. Sattugun Pradhan, according to a scripture, according to the right law. So they are Sattugun Sampan. But it is not yet, still the Jyoti. Jyoti is, reveals what is to be done, what is action is to be taken. Ritasya, that's how it is described. So that Jyoti, it gets transformed into Jyotihi. The authentic spiritual light, not the light through the scripture or something else which usually the sattvic man uses. He uses that scripture. Sometimes a kind of inner code he develops from within. But this is the authentic light. Rajas becomes tapas. Right now Rajogon is come with me and the soul goes dragged. It changes into tapa. So wherever it goes it changes into that heat and energy and dynamism of the divine action, it, it changes into luminous force. So, Rajogun, the vital changes into luminous force. So, that's why it is Tapa. The tranquility, the tranquilly intense divine force. He has disqualified it. Tamas becomes Sama, the divine quiet, rest, peace. So that is how Tamas changes into that. Then there are interesting letters on the Jivatma, the psychic being and Prakriti. I'll just read a couple of them. So people often ask that why do you why does Shobindo lay so much emphasis on the Divine Mother? How about the Divine Father? So <laughs> of course one can form any relation. But Divine Mother, it is our truth of our soul. Why? Because all the psychic beings or the soul has emerged from para-prakriti jiva-bhuta. So we can take it like that, that this is the, there are several ways, the, the three, again we, we enter into that. So you have the Ishwara, Shakti and the Jiva. So that is one way people understand the image of Rama, Lakshmana and Sita. So the Ishwara, Shakti and the Jiva, who is... Uh, playing who is there to serve the divine and he, the jiva automatically the jivatma automatically recognizes the divine mother because it's born from her womb but she will connect you to the father she mediates between the two so what really is jivatma so he speaks about uh, what is atma jivatma let's read this letter when the one divine manifests its ever inherent multiplicity Multiplicity is inherent in the divine because he is infinite. That's why multiplicity is inherent. This essential self or Atman becomes for that manifestation the Jivatman. So Atman is the cosmic and Jivatman is individual. So he expresses himself in the cosmicity as the Atman. So you have Paramatman, you have Atman or the cosmic and Jivatman which is individual. So here again, subtle distinction, the Jeevatman, the central being who presides from above over the evolution of its personalities and terrestrial lives here. 
but is itself an eternal portion of the divine and prior to the terrestrial manifestation. Para prakriti jiva bhuta. So what happens before the game starts? The divine mother brings out of the infinite divine multiple centers. And they are the central being. They have not entered into the play. And then lower nature, she herself weighs and becomes lower nature. Lower nature creates mind, body, life. And then into these minds, bodies, lives, a portion of the central being, the Jivatma, which is beyond time and space, which is above, a portion of it enters into mind, life, body. So we have a double birth. One which is part, which is child of Diti. Division, mind, life, body. When we are identified with it, we are Dathyas. <laughs> and when we discover the soul, we are Aditya. Why? Because the soul is always a portion of the Divine Mother. She has become Diti. That's why the story of Kashyap Rishi and his two wives is very interesting. But we have to make a distinction. Because otherwise there will be a problem in the yoga. Theoretical is a different thing. So he says that in this lower manifestation, Apara Prakarti, this is the lower manifestation, this eternal portion of the divine appears as the soul, a spark of the divine fire, supporting the individual evolutions, supporting the mental, vital and physical being. The psychic being is the spark growing into a fire. What a beautiful image. So from that central fire, many little flames have emerged out of that flame. A spark is sent and which is the soul, individual soul. It goes through life and death and rebirth and then it grows itself into the flame here and the fire. So that's how it is. And this psychic being, he says, the psychic being is the spark growing into fire, evolving with the growth of the consciousness. The psychic being is therefore evolutionary, not like the Jivatma prior to the evolution. So Jivatma has two aspects. One is there, eternally, safe, sound, healthy. <laughs> it has the original script. It watches over. So it is above. The experience of the central being comes by going beyond and one experiences it above. It's not that one has to go through all the planes into the supermind. But simply that's where we have the experience of the Sahasrara, which is beyond. There one experiences the central being. So that is known as Jivatma, which is free. But the psychic being, again a portion of the Jivatma, is experienced by going into the depths of the heart. There we see, it has the secret of evolution and linking our this existence with that supreme existence. So in this yoga, there is the importance of the psychic being, also of the central being. At some point, the psychic being joins the central being. So then the psychic being is fully aware now, conscious, why it has come, what is the purpose. It's wonderful. We see this in Savitri, where we have the description of finding of the soul and how they rushed into each other and grew one. So, the soul representative of the central being is a spark of the divine. So again he is clarifying. Supporting all individual existence in nature, the psychic being is a conscious form of that soul. Which soul? Which is the representative of the central being. Growing in the evolution, in the persistent process that develops first life in matter, Mind in life and finally, until finally, mind can develop into overmind and overmind into the supramental truth. So, soul is that portion of Jivatma which has entered into the play. It has identified itself with ignorance. 
so that ignorance can be carried along because it has its its nature is it's like that parasmani so it carries nature along together and then the central central being is above the aadhar most people are not aware of that their central being jivatma they are aware only of the ego the psychic is the soul it is a portion of the divine that supports the mind life and body in the sorry in the evolution the psyche gets the divine's help directly from the divine so he continues with many of these letters the central being is that which is not born does not evolve but presides over all the individual manifestation when one touches the central being one knows the previous lives those uh, moments which need to be known because it is presided one also can project towards where one is going because it has the script it one knows the mission and purpose it receives the essence of all experience and then um, i'll just read one more and then probably we can stop okay the so some people may think shabd is using two words central being and psychic being one second one wants to be clear so there is this letter the central being and the soul are both in different ways portions of the divine and there are many central beings of each one they are in fact two aspects of the same entity but one is unevolving above nature the other evolves a psychic being in nature the phrase central being in our yoga is usually applied to the portion of the divine in us which supports all the rest and survives through death and birth so it supports this central being has two forms above it is jivatma our true being of which we become aware when the higher self knowledge comes below it is the psychic being which stands behind mind life and body and life the jivatman is above the manifestation the psychic being stands behind the manifestation and life and supports it and finally the natural attitude of the psychic being is to feel itself as the child the son of god the bhakta of course there will be many letters which will it automatically comes it's not something which can be oh you must think you are a child of the divine mother you can't <laughs> so when the realization takes place it becomes the living state it is a portion of the divine one in a sense but in the dynamics of the manifestation there is always even in identity a difference so it is the calf and the cow is the calf different from the cow well in a sense no ask the calf no no i am different in a certain sense how else will enjoy the mother's milk and the warmth of the mother cow so it is one in a sense yet different in terms of manifestation and then he says the jivatman on the contrary the central being lives in the essence and can merge itself in identity with the divine so the jivatma are multiple centers created within the divine if they have not entered the place so it somewhere you will see that description in the house of the spirit and the new creation or in the divine soul when shubindu speaks in the life divine so it is not fallen so it knows itself as a kind of individual but in terms of essence it's let's take for example that fragrance of a flower is the same but if you go into this minuteness you will say there are molecules which are entering into the air so there is this each molecule it is one with the 
whole fragrance at the same time it has its own a kind of it's a manifestation of the multiplicity which has started so it is one in the in essence and can merge itself in identity with the divine but it too the moment it presides over the dynamics of the manifestation knows itself as one center of the multiple divine not as the purushottama so this is the difference psychic being knows itself as a child of the divine a portion of the divine the central being knows that there are many centers of the divine then the conflict ceases it is one of the centers and it must play that fulfill that aspect whereas each one has to grow in his own way it is important to remember this distinction for otherwise now because very often people say jivatma it can merge with parmatma it is true but then because that essence is so close to that identity it's a very thin shri ramakrishna used to say it's like on water you draw a line it's like that but it's important to remember this distinction why because if there is the least vital egoism that's why yoga is long it's not like when one is all with impurity egoism one will realize why because if there is the least vital egoism one may begin to think of oneself as an avatar or lose balance like hrde with ramakrishna he was ramakrishna's nephew and we all know she he met him and she ramakrishna gave him that experience of the jivatma which is and one with the essence and can join but see what happened so he lost his balance so that's why first the psychic being then the central being will come inevitably then one works in the cosmos as one of the uh, aspects of the divine or whatever one may like to use it one of the centers it's like like god demigod world personality different terms should be used like all the gods higher gods they know that each one is one of the centers but there are many centers so it's like that and then of course beyond it that transcendent so one has a choice of either merging the jivatma always have this choice or it can continue to receive and transmit into the creation why are the psychic being not to forget that <laughs> namaste